Let's turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And I'll, I'll tell, I'll say which verses to read um, later on in a bit. But I think we can all agree here today that every single day, almost like every single hour, our patience is being tested somehow by something, by someone. And we can all agree that patience and the attribute of it, it's very, very hard to um, build up, you could say. Because oftentimes we feel like we fail, we become impatient. Now every single day brings with it, I believe, at least a dozen or more tests of patience. Now here are but a few that I've listed. Number one, patience in driving, right? There's bad drivers, there's traffic, there are drivers who cut you off, red lights all the time, rush hour. And you need patience for that, right? Number three, uh, number two, patience in lines, either for a restaurant, a drive through The worst lineups that I've been in, in Disneyland, one of the worst lineups that I've, I've had to wait. One of the, I think it was Space Mountain, it was about an hour and a half for just one ride. It was a good ride, but not worth an hour and a half. And I needed a lot of patience for that, especially in the California heat. I was ready to go home. Number four, patience with your siblings. Katrina, you know, some of your siblings may be a little bit rowdy sometimes. You need patience with them. Gardening, I don't know if anybody here is into gardening. I don't think so. But uh, obviously when you're planting a seed or a tree or whatever you're planting, it takes years sometimes. Patience in building up a skill, whether you're trying to learn how to sing, trying to learn how to draw. Pastor Jeevan is getting into fitness, you know, he's learning how to exercise. But he's, it's a, it takes a while, right? Patience in teaching, teaching others. Sometimes you're just teaching one point to someone, they just don't get it. And you repeat it again and again and again, they just don't get it. Or if you're learning, you're trying to learn a, a certain topic and you just can't understand. You need patience. Patience with slow internet. That's very bad. Uh, I'm very happy that in the church we have very fast internet. But just up until like a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, my internet in my house, very poor. And <laughs> that's why I got into a bunch of other hobbies that did not have anything to do with the internet. Patience with pets. Number 11, I don't, I don't know what this feels like, but patience in marriage. Now, obviously, I'm not married myself, but you need a lot of patience in marriage. Patience in achieving your goals. And number 13, very important, patience in dealing with other people in general. Obviously, you go, wherever you go, there are always people who, are, who get on our nerves sometimes, so we need patience. But in the fifth chapter of the book of James, there's another situation that we must learn to practice patience. And let's read out loud together verses 7 to 11. So James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. And let's read it all out loud together. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, 
that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. James is telling us to be patient unto the coming of the Lord. And our devotion this morning is just tackling this topic of Jesus' second coming and how we should, uh, how we should act regarding Jesus' return. And before we begin our devotion, let us just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you equip me and enable me to just share this devotion to everyone here this afternoon. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit, fill me with the power. And I pray that you would help us have an attentive heart as well. I pray this all in your name. Amen. Now, we usually get impatient when, it is what, when something that we want is taking longer than expected. For example, when you have a package or you go to Amazon or whatever it is, you have a package that you've been waiting for and it was supposed to come two weeks ago, that's when your impatience starts to build up, right? Because you've been wanting that package two weeks ago now and it still hasn't arrived. You get impatient because you were excited to receive it long ago. I remember during the quarantine, I saw this advertisement. I'm very, very bad. When I see like cool advertisements, it's very hard to control myself. But I saw this glow-in-the-dark basketball, okay? So I was like, oh, wow, all the things that I could do with a glow-in-the-dark basketball. Shoot around that night, etc. And I was so excited. I bought it immediately. And it said it was arriving in a month. So that's already long because I'm used to Amazon Prime comes in the next day. But a month, a month passes by, still nothing. Two months passed by, still nothing. Three months passed by, something came in. I was like, wait a minute, why is this package so small? And instead of a basketball, I, I got a bracelet. <laughs> One of those two? It was uh, Kyrie Irving, if you guys know him, it was a bracelet for him. I was like, what is this? I was so excited for this basketball and I got this very lame bracelet in return. I was very mad, and I was like, I'll never order from whatever these guys are from. Another, you know, I can think of somebody who is, you know, growing impatient is Pastor Deviant, in terms of, you want to go to the Philippines, right? You want to seal the deal, but you're so excited to marry Esther, but you, all the COVID restrictions and whatnot, it's, it's making you impatient because of all of this fuzz. Similarly, traffic, like um, road traffic, is only bad, for me at least, when we are wanting to be somewhere at a specific time. I get more impatient when there is traffic on the way to work compared to when there is traffic on my way home because I don't have to be home at a specific time. But you know, sometimes you're, you're already, you already woke up a little bit later, you're already running a bit later, and now there's traffic, and now you're getting impatient. So I repeat this point, we only get impatient when something desiring is taking longer than expected. Now I say this because our lack of impatience, you could say, for Jesus' second coming may also be a sign of our lack of, the, of our, our desire for eternity. There are many Christians who are impatient, I guess, with this world only because their desire to be with God, their desire to be in heaven, their desire to be with the saints and to dwell with Him in heaven, to experience the fullness of His glory, their desire for that is so great that they can't help but want to leave this world. And James' message was to these people who are so impatient, I guess, with the world and they wanted to be with the Lord. But I believe there are a larger portion of Christians who James' message doesn't apply to because they are not looking forward to eternity. 
they are distracted what, but, but, uh, by what the present world offers. They could care less about Jesus' second coming. In fact, they don't want him to come back because they want to stay here in this world. And so why would they get impatient for something that they're not even excited to come for? The first point is we have to anticipate his coming. We have to be excited for Jesus' coming. James 5, says, 5, 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. A, husband, a husbandman was often a farmer or a gardener, and is someone who eagerly waited for the rain. Their crops wouldn't grow if there was no rain. They wouldn't make a living if there was no rain. So when the rain came, they were excited. They rejoiced. They were extremely glad. I've never heard of a farmer, maybe you have, of a farmer who got depressed when a rain, the rain finally came. I've never heard of a farmer like that. Now hopefully, all of us here, because we are the Bible college students, we are the staff, hopefully all of us here are anticipating Jesus' arrival. That we are actually excited that he comes back. And that we are not dreading, I guess, his return. Hopefully all of us here are excited that Jesus Christ is coming to take us soon. That we have built, uh, I guess, um, our lives or, uh, long term here on earth. That we realize that Jesus is coming soon. So anticipate his coming. Point number two, establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. In James 5, 8, 5, 8 we find our second point, and it says, Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now, what does that mean, like that, that word, that phrase, establish your heart? Well, the Greek word for establish is sterizo, and it means to set fast or to turn resolutely in a certain direction. To set fast or turn resolutely in a certain direction. Now, who knows, who believes that Christ has come back soon? All of us know that, right? We know that he's coming back soon. We believe in the imminency of Christ's return. That is a pre-tribulation return. Now, we know that Jesus Christ can come at any time. But the, the steps now that we have to take is we have to align our hearts, our actions, with the knowledge of that, of Jesus Christ's imminent return. We need to change our life's course according to the knowledge that we know that Jesus Christ will come back at any time. There may be those in the world who are so excited for Jesus' return that they choose to do nothing for God. They have cut off all ties to the present world and they are just waiting for, God, for Jesus to come back. And they choose to do nothing. They don't, they don't bother going to church anymore. They don't bother worshiping, reading their Bible, whatever. They're just patiently waiting for God. And they're absolutely doing nothing. They're becoming inactive. But that is the opposite of what actually Christians should do. Because Jesus Christ can come back at any time, because of the imminency of His coming, the goal is that we have to serve Him as much as we can with what little time we have left. Because we don't know how much time we have left. I could be mid-sentence right now, and Jesus can come back, and we're all going to be taken up with him. Turn with me to Matthew 24, 42. 
And I'll ask everyone to read these three verses out loud with me. Matthew 24, 42 to 44. Matthew 24, 42 to 44. Let's read it out loud. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Be ye also ready. Jesus Christ can come back at any time, and we must be ready. We can't be sitting idly by, twiddling our thumbs, and just waiting for His return and not serving Him the best we know how. We must serve and grow and continue to grow in our faith while we patiently wait for His return. That is how we ready ourselves. We don't ready ourselves by cutting off all ties to this present world and, and just uh, being, going under a rock and just sheltering ourselves out of society, but we have to keep serving Him. Do, our, do your best in Bible college. Serve in whatever, you, whatever ways you can at church. Share the gospel. This one is a big thing. Pastor White has prepared this um, the rapture box, you could say, this red box that, you, that we will be leaving, I guess, where you know, our house is. And if there are unlost and we get raptured up, there are un unsaved people who are here still on earth, they can open that up and they can understand the gospel. But while we're still here on earth, we need to be actively sharing the gospel. That is the reason why I got saved. Brother Lou Rossi was preaching on Jesus' return, and I thought to myself, if Jesus Christ came tonight, I would be left behind on earth while all my family would go up and I would be stuck here uh, to, to face this judgment. And I got scared. I, I'll tell you that right now. I got scared of that um, possibility. So I needed to get my heart right. I needed to accept Jesus Christ. But imagine your close best friends are not unsaved. Imagine how they will feel if all of us get raptured and they are stuck here and they don't know what to do. Share the gospel. Share the gospel by building good relationships with those around you. It's easier for the gospel uh, to be received, you could say, if we are building good friendships and relationships with other people. In general, just be faithful. While readying, readying yourselves for Christ's return, be faithful in whatever you can be in. Commit to works that will have eternal value. G. Campbell Morgan, a British the British evangelist, once said, To me, the second coming is the perpetual light on the path which makes the present bearable. I never lay my head on the pillow without thinking that perhaps before the morning breaks, the final morning may have dawned. I never begin my work without thinking that he may interrupt my work and begin his own. This is now his word to all believing souls till I come. We are not looking for death, we are looking for him. We have to, in whatever time that we have left on this world, maybe it's 24 hours left, we don't know, keep serving God. And the last point in our small, in a short devotional here, is endure suffering. So anticipate His coming. Are you excited? Are you, are you, are you waiting for Jesus Christ's return? Number two, establish your heart. Is your life service, is your actions focused on Jesus Christ's second coming? You're, you're trying to do everything you can before he comes and returns. But lastly, endure 
suffering. Now many become impatient with this world because they have had enough. That's simply it. They have had enough of the hurts of this world. This world is not a friendly place. If you live long enough, you will just continue to get hurt by other people, by certain events. And there are Christians who have been hurt way too many times. They don't see any more hope nor joy in this world. And the devil seems to attack them more and more and more as they grow in their faith. Temptations to quit lie around every corner for them. And each new tribulation and trial seems to be much harsher than the last. And all of this can quickly overwhelm a Christian and make them feel like quitting. Make them have that desire to just leave this world and go to heaven with God. But in James 5, 10 to 11, it says, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the ends of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The Old Testament prophets, whether they be named, whether they have books of their own, or whether they were the unnamed faithful Old Testament prophets, many of them suffered greatly for the Lord. Many paid with their lives, and if not their lives, they were ridiculed, mocked, cast out of society. Those were, that is what the Old Testament prophets had to go through. Some were able to be close with godly kings, but most of them were persecuted. But they endured. And I'm sure they have great rewards in heaven. And he also uses Job as an example. A man who legitimately lost it all. His loved ones, his property, and his wealth, but yet he endured. How, how were they able to endure when they suffered so much? Because they knew that God was merciful, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Matthew Henry, the famous Bible commentator, said regarding these verses, the best way to bear afflictions is to look to the end of them. The tender mercy of God is such that He will make His people an abundant amends for all their sufferings and afflictions. His bowels are moved for them while suffering, while his bounty is manifested afterwards. How are we able to endure our sufferings? And all of us are here pretty, pretty much living a, a, you could say, a relaxing life or a comfortable life. It's not like we're living in China or in communist Russia where we are being hunted down for our faith. That's not the suffering that we have to go through. The, the suffering that we have to go through is maybe spiritual discouragement from someone who uh, says some criticism towards us. But the bulk of our spiritual suffering is not comparable to even the Old Testament prophets to Job. But nevertheless, I'm not downplaying what we go through. But I am saying the sufferings that we have to go through, let us look to God and know that He is merciful. And keep looking towards the end when He returns soon. And let's, let us not give up. In the past, I have had you know, long days where I would leave. This is when I, st I still bust to... to um, to church, where I would leave very early in the morning, and I knew I was going to get back much later in the evening. But no matter what happened during the day, I always looked forward to going home. No matter how long the day was, I looked forward to going home. I anticipated the time when I finally got to go home with my family, and I, I knew that I was going to go home for rest. No matter how long the commute was, my singular focus after a tiring day 
was to go straight home. I didn't care about buying food. I didn't care about any other side distractions. My singular focus was to go home. No matter how my body felt, no matter how sleepy I was, no matter how bad my head headache was becoming, I was willing to endure it all just so I can get to my house, to my home. I act like that in regards to my earthly home. But I believe all Christians should act like that in regards to their eternal home. Turn with me to Philippians 3. Philippians 3.20, the last verse that we'll read out all together. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not our home, because our home is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, not on earth. Are you ready to go home? Are you excited to go home? Are you even getting ready to go home? Or have you already planted your life here on earth? Don't you want to be serving Jesus when he returns? Don't you want to be living right and holy when our master comes to take us away? Or do you want to be caught doing, uh, committing a sin, committing a, something unrighteous when he comes? Anticipate his return, establish your hearts towards heaven, and endure suffering here on earth. And that is how we can ready ourselves for his return. Pastor White, can may I ask you to just close on this devotion? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.